Welcome back to Wavelengths, everybody. We got another very special guest today, Pittsburgh Penguins play-by-play -play man, Steve Mears. How are you today, sir? I'm good. Thanks for having me. So the first thing I wanted to bring up, your name's Steve, mine's Steven. On your birth certificate, is it Steve? I believe it's Steven with a V. Okay, so yours is with, so yours is S-T-E-V-E-N and mine's with the P-H. Does, is that like ever been a sense or a source of confusion in your life? No, I don't think so. Uh, I think uh, I think the only person who calls me Steven is probably my mother. And uh, otherwise, it's been Steve. And it reminds me of Steven Stamkos when he very specifically got when he was drafted. He said, it's not Steve, it's Steven Stamkos. And uh, I don't know, I was always just Steve growing up and uh, I think that's what my family has called me for the most part. But uh, yeah, if there's one person who says Steven, it's my mom. Yeah, I get it. I get it. You know, I get Steven. I get Steve. And then whenever someone tries to just spell my name, they assume it's with a V. And then sometimes I get like Stefan too. And that one I don't really get. But like Steph Curry kind of did that to me. So like I get right. it, I guess. And another non-sports question. You know, I did just ask you this. You have lived in Pittsburgh your entire life. You work for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Pittsburgh is on my, I would say, top three cities I got to go to, you know, before my time's up on this planet. Is it is it better than what people think of Pittsburgh? I think so. I think uh, I'm, I know I'm biased because I grew up here, but I've also lived in other parts. And, I've, and with this job, I've traveled a lot for uh, hockey. To different parts of North America, but I, I think it has a reputation, especially from an older generation, of being kind of an industrial, grimy steel town, and that is just not true anymore. I mean, that was decades ago, but now this city is all about technology and medicine, and there are all kinds of new restaurants that have just popped up in the last five plus years. And of course, the biggest thing is sports. It's the best sports town I think in America. It's such a big part of the fabric of the society and the culture here. You can't help but grow up and, and be a fan and a follower of the Steelers and the Pirates and the Penguins. And I was a part of that just uh, when I was younger and the Penguins won two Stanley Cups in 1991 and 1992. It just captivated the whole city. And I was a part of that generation that fell in love with the game of hockey just because of those teams that had Mario Lemieux and Yarmir Yager and Ron Francis and a great broadcaster and Mike Lang. So uh, I, I think that story has repeated itself now with the Crosby Malkin generation and you have multiple generations, many of them going back with the history of the Steelers and especially their success in the seventies and even the pirates who have been around for 130 years and uh, many, many generations of uh, rich sports culture here. So uh, it is a fantastic place to live. The people are friendly. And uh, yeah, I will be the first person to vouch for the city of Pittsburgh in the Chamber of Commerce tourism uh, commercial or brochure that, uh, that is ever released out there because I'm just a big fan and I know it's from, I'm from here, but there's a lot to like here. And another thing you said, you know, a great sports town. What's really cool is all the teams have the same colors. So, you know, you can wear black and gold anywhere you go in Pittsburgh, it seems like, and you'll fit in. That is true, yeah, uh, and that's a rarity. You think about all the different cities, there's no city like that that has all their teams wearing the same color. That wasn't always the case, 
the Penguins used to be a uh, shade of blue, various shades of blue. Um, but yeah, that's something that's a source of pride, I think. Uh, and again, when you're from here, you just, it, it's in your DNA. You may not even be the biggest hockey fan or baseball fan or football fan, but you can't help but follow because sure enough, some social activity is going to revolve around it. Some family member is going to be captivated by it. So it's just a part of living here and a part of the community. And uh, that's what makes it just such a special place. So if you're a sports fan, I say uh, you got to put this on your sports bucket list. And in addition to the history, you also have unbelievable facilities. I mean, Heinz Field, PNC Park, and PPG Paints Arena are three of the best. When, uh, last two Pittsburgh questions. First one. If you go to the city and have the opportunity, where do you got to go in the second, your favorite all-time Pittsburgh athlete? Uh, well, I mean, if you're talking a couple of, a lot of different categories for places to go in Pittsburgh, I mean, uh, food-wise, there's, uh, of course, everyone knows Permanis, the sandwich with the fries on it. There are a lot of new restaurants that have been popping up here lately. I moved away to work for NHL Network for five years, and just in that time frame, there were so many new restaurants that appeared. So when I moved back, I had all these places that I wanted to try. So the food scene here is really on the rise. It's really exciting. New places opening up all the time, even now during the pandemic, a couple of new places that are just starting to get going here, uh, even in these tough times. But it's, uh, it's a food scene that's thriving. And, uh, and then for different landmarks, I mean, you got the Andy Warhol Museum, you can go up the incline to Mount Washington, Point State Park, you've got the Carnegie Museum, which is uh, such a great place to learn about natural history or art or whichever uh, avenue you want to go down. So there, there are so many different things I could go on and on again, talking about some of the sites and things to do here in the city, but so much of it revolves around sports. So if you want to come here and enjoy a baseball game. PNC Park is as good of a ballpark as, as it gets. And, uh, and the other venues are fantastic too. So it's, uh, it's gotta be on that bucket list if you're a sports fan from out of town. And then for me, for the all-time athlete, that's the easy one, Mario Lemieux by a wide margin. I mean, not even close. And probably if I made a list, the next four would also be Penguins. And uh, there are some Pirates in there. And of course, the Steelers, you got to love Ben Roethlisberger. The Steelers have been a contender since, I mean, for my entire adult life since he arrived. And uh, that's a big reason why is that uh, he's been so great and has won two Super Bowls. And the Steelers, because of him, over the last two decades, have been a, at least a playoff contender, if not a Super Bowl contender. So uh, got a lot of love for, for many different athletes. But Mario is always going to be number one. Just He was my guy as a kid. We all have that childhood sports idol, whether it's Michael Jordan and you're living in Chicago or Mickey Mantle, if you're of a different generation living in New York, or uh, you can go on and on. Ernie Banks in Chicago, you know, there's always that guy. But uh, for a lot of kids in the 90s in Pittsburgh, Mario was the guy. So you now have the pleasure to commentate for Mario Lemieux's team, I assume, since you've moved into this role with the Penguins, you've met him face-to-face? -face. I have. I had met him uh, previously. I met him when we worked, uh, when I worked for the New York Islanders. I did radio for the Islanders and uh, met him in various stops throughout my time. I, I got a previous stint working for Penguins Radio. Uh, so, yeah, he, did, you know, he very famously does not get too involved with the team 
uh, wants to have a hands-off approach. I think that's the best approach for any type of sports owner. And uh, it's, it's always a thrill. It's an honor whenever uh, you get a chance to be around him because you're just with uh, hockey royalty and, and uh, in my opinion, the best player of all time. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's always cool to talk hockey with Mario because, uh, you know, you're, you know you've got uh, such a great resource there. And the Penguins are very fortunate. They've got two great owners, Ron Burkle, Mario Lemieux, and they spare no expense. It's all about winning and making sure the team has every resource available to be a top-notch franchise. And um, I think they've accomplished that goal, not just with the on the ice, but as far as their off the ice accomplishments and the amount of sellouts and the, the social media presence and, and the way that they run their business and their organization, the charitable endeavors. I think uh, the Penguins are a, a top-notch sports franchise, without a doubt, in North America. I now want to talk about the team that you know very well, the Pittsburgh Penguins, ultimately coming up a little bit short for their quest for another Stanley Cup. How would you rate this season, all things considered? Well, it was tough to gauge because the regular season was really good. They exceeded expectations. There were a lot of prognosticators that the Penguins missing the playoffs going into the year, and then they end up winning the division. So the regular season was fantastic, but we know you don't play for regular season titles, and division titles, and certainly the standard in this city and with this organization is way higher than winning a regular season division title. So to lose in the first round and the way that it happened was uh, really disappointing. So that's now three straight years they've lost in the first round with early exits. And the standard is much higher to win the Stanley Cup. They're searching for their sixth Stanley Cup in franchise history. The belief is that the window is still very much open with Crosby and Malkin now entering their mid-30s. And Chris Letang is part of that core group. Um, but it just didn't happen this year. They were beaten by the New York Islanders for several reasons. I mean, you, you lose as a team and you win as a team as the cliche goes, but obviously the biggest one goaltending uh, was a struggle in this playoff series against the New York Islanders. And there were other issues as well, but at the end, the Penguins had a disappointing ending in the playoffs. So I think that's how you have to look at the season that the, the standard is much higher, but when you, break it down and you look at it yeah division title amidst this crazy pandemic year amidst a bunch of injuries losing hundreds of man games at one point five of the top nine forwards were out at one point four the top six defensemen were out so to accomplish all of that with plenty of adversity here this year uh i think they had a lot to be proud of it's just a shame that it didn't include a long playoff run so if you were, you know, making the moves this offseason, what would you say that they have to do so this team can get past that first round hurdle? Well, I knew the I know the new management in uh, Brian Burke and Ron Hextall, they want to make sure the team is able to compete with some of the bigger teams in the conference. And uh, you look at Tampa right now, it's a perfect example. It's not about fighters and some type of 70s style of hockey and bullying opponents. It's about having size and being hard to play against, especially on defense. And Tampa's defense is so big. So I think that one of the priorities is just to get a little bigger, especially on the blue line and heavier. Because when you get to the playoffs, we know how it works. There are fewer penalties called. It's a harder brand of hockey. And you just have to be able to survive 
multiple seven game series and that beating that you're going to take, especially on the blue line. So uh, I think getting a little deeper and heavier on the blue line would be one thing uh, as far as their defense is concerned. And then at least addressing the goaltending situation. I still have a lot of faith in Tristan Jari. This was his first time as a number one goaltender in the Stanley cup playoffs. And he's still only 26, which is young in the goalie world. I know for skaters, we see guys come in 18, 19 and they, they can thrive, but for goaltenders, especially one like Jari, who doesn't have a ton of playoff experience. He's still relatively young. So I think the ability is still there. He's had flashes over the last two seasons of uh, being an all-star. He was an all-star two seasons ago. So um, I, I still have faith in Tristan Jari, but we'll have to see how the season goes. And if the Penguins need to upgrade that position, I don't think they're going to hesitate. So in the NBA and NHL, the regular announcers get to be there for the first round. And then after the second round, they do have to give it up to the national team. When that happens to you, is it tough watching, you know, I don't know if literally, but someone else sit in your seat and commentate your team, or can you just appreciate it as a fan? Well, you can appreciate the game always as a fan when you're not working. It's a different perspective, and, uh, and that's, it is actually nice sometimes to just show up and watch a game and see it from a bird's eye view, and, and you get a different perspective, and you learn things when you're just watching as a spectator, and you can watch the whole ice as opposed to having a tunnel vision of doing play-by-play and focusing on what's going on in the broadcast. Uh, I think it's just, that's what we sign up for. And it's also what we sign up for when you're working for a high profile team, like the Pittsburgh Penguins, where you know, the national networks are going to take a bunch of games. In fact, take the maximum amount of games every year. So uh, I think it's what you sign up for. And it's actually a situation where you'd rather be with a, a team that's that successful, that popular has Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, and is in high demand for those networks and is getting to those playoff games that are uh, going deep into the spring or even in this case, the summer, uh, as opposed to a lower profile team where they never take any games because the ratings aren't good enough. The team isn't good enough or whatever that might be. So uh, I'd much rather have our situation. Yes. You'd rather be, I'd love to do all 82 games. I'd love to do every playoff game. Like it used to be in the old days, but I understand the, the sports media landscape. That's what we sign up for. And, uh, and I, I would much rather cherish the 70 some games that we get to do. And uh, that first round of the playoffs, which is always really exciting. So uh, I, I prefer to focus on those and just the fact that uh, I get in for free for during the season. So that's all I could ever ask for, especially when I was a kid. So even if I show up and only get to do one game, that's still uh, a thrill for me and I'll gladly take it. So the players aren't the only ones that have routines. I'm sure that every game you have your list of things you need to get done. What does that look like for you? Well, the preparation for the broadcast is pretty standard and it consists of going through the usual storylines that uh, surround every single game. Uh, you have getting roster sheets ready so you know both teams and you have to prepare for every type of game. We don't know if it's going to be an 8-1 win or an 8-1 loss or a 2-1 thriller going into it. That's the beauty of sports. It's the ultimate reality TV show. So we get the chance to uh, sit down in the afternoon and prepare and get ready for every type of scenario. You never know who's going to get in, whether it's the backup goaltender or the fourth line center is going to have the biggest game of his life. You just have to be prepared for everything. So most of the day is, is set in, uh, at home and 
in or in the hotel room and preparing for the broadcast and and yeah I, I have my own little routines and I think routine is good in those cases where you get into a set rhythm and it helps you just kind of settle in and whenever things are chaotic around you if you can fall back on that routine it kind of gives some semblance of uh, normalcy and and especially that's true and evident over the last couple of years now or the last year and a half with uh, all the chaos that's been going on you know to be able to fall back into a routine and just get used to that rhythm and that the comfort of those uh those repetitions i think is really helpful so we, yeah when you 70 some games you have a, a game day routine it's changed over the last year and a half uh we're hoping next year we'll get back to the same routine which includes going to the morning skate at the arena going into the locker room hopefully to talk with the players which we haven't had the luxury to do uh, since the pandemic began. So uh, we're hoping we can get back to uh, some of those normal elements of, uh, of preparation for a broadcast. But in the case of this past season, we got used to a new normal and uh, new routines. And, and there was something to be said for just showing up and doing the game. There wasn't a morning skate to go to. There wasn't uh, any time with the players face-to-face. -face. But it was really just show up at 5 o'clock and the game starts at seven and do the best job that you can possibly do. And I think all that preparation is, uh, is what's designed to help you do that. Is there somebody else in the NHL that does play by play that, you know, you've, since you've assumed the role for the Penguins that you've seeked out their tips and tricks, or is there anyone that you're close with on another team that does play by play? Yeah, a lot of them. I mean, it's kind of a unique fraternity of guys that you see several times a year, especially the teams are in your division and you're seeing them many times. In this case, uh, we, we saw the Islanders and the Rangers and the Devils and the Flyers eight times this past season. So, uh, yeah, you get to know those guys really well. And I'm speaking to the Islanders, Chris King, who is uh, the radio voice of the New York Islanders. He was my former partner when I was doing Islanders radio. So he and I are particularly close just because we worked together before. But you get to know all the guys uh, around the league. And uh, there is some type of bond there where you're in this unique group of doing this weird job of play-by-play -play of NHL hockey games. So, And you want to help each other out. I mean, you have to. You have to be able to share notes and... and uh, keep those relationships because uh, they, their knowledge can help you and vice versa. So uh, I always try to uh, befriend all the, the different announcers when I meet them for the first time, many of whom have now been in the league for a long time. And I'm coming up on, I think, 16 years. So I've got to know these guys. A lot of them have been in the league the entire time I've been here. So, uh, yeah, there are a lot of great guys uh, in the league. And you, you see why they get to where they're at because – they're classy and polite and friendly and they treat everybody the way they want to be treated. I noticed that when I first started my first year in the NHL in New York, I had Chris, as I mentioned, Chris King, Howie Rose was doing TV for the Islanders. So I got to pick his brain a lot. Sam Rosen was doing the Rangers. Doc Emmerich was doing the Devils. Kenny Albert was doing the Rangers. So I was surrounded by all of these great influences as a young guy and was able to pick their brains and uh, just be a sponge every time I saw them. So, uh, and, and the bi biggest thing that stood out was like, you see why they get to where they're at because they treat people the way they want to be treated. And they're just generally 
friendly and kind and professional and classy. So uh, yeah, it's uh, that that's how they get to that level and they stay there. And in addition to doing a great job on the air, but uh, I always I always try to learn as much as I can. I think you can learn from any announcer, just like a musician. If you're you may not even be your genre of music, but you can watch and appreciate a certain guitar player or a certain drummer, and it will only make you better. You said an exclusive fraternity. You have joined an exclusive fraternity of my podcast. I did have the chance to talk with Ken Daniels a few weeks ago. And that was a great time. So I guess uh, NHL play-by-play guys on Wavelengths. So welcome to the club. Be sure to send you something. <laughs> so with now the NHL leaving NBC, going to ESPN and Turner, is that something as just you know a local guy that you have much interest in to see like how they do it because we know how NBC has been doing it for the like past 10 years or so? Oh yeah, just as a hockey fan, I think how they're going to present the game is going to be in some way different, probably not drastically different, but in some way is going to be different and they're going to have different personalities on their broadcast and that's going to change things up a bit. So absolutely, just I'm, I'm first and foremost a hockey fan before anything else, I'm a hockey fan. So I'm always watching games and watching broadcasts and wondering uh, how that all is all going to go. Now they have some familiar, like ESPN, for example, they've got some familiar names. I mean, I remember watching Steve Levy do games as a kid on ESPN and he called the five overtime game Penguins and Flyers from the Igloo. And I was watching his broadcast, watched a bunch of his broadcasts back then as he was one of the voices on ESPN. So uh, he'll be involved once again, and that's great news and always does a great job. And I've gotten to know him a little bit over the years. And then on the Turner side, you got Kenny Albert, one of the best in the business. And, uh, you know, he'll do a fantastic job as he's doing right now with the, the Stanley Cup final. So uh, in some ways there will be familiarity, but in other ways, the way they present the games, their analysts, their graphics, music, there are going to be some differences and I'm sure it'll all be to the good because both of those entities, if you look at the work that they do for all the other sports that they cover, it's top notch. It's first class. There's a reason why the NHL was interested in partnering with those networks. So uh, I, I think it's just going to be fantastic and it just continues to grow the game. And uh, that's, I think that's the best case scenario for all hockey fans. Even if there's some broadcast or some uh, analyst you don't like, whatever it might be, it's growing the game and it's presenting it in a real professional manner and accentuating the very best that hockey has to offer. And I have no doubt that uh, both ESPN and Turner are going to do just that. So the last thing I wanted to talk about with you before I let you go, you do have a great program, Future Voices of the Booth. Do you want to tell everyone a little bit what that's about? Yeah, we're hoping to get it back and going again uh, after this hiatus over the last year and a half, but uh, it was a program that I just started a couple of years ago when I started with the Penguins job here and doing the TV of just having students come to a game and kind of goes back to what I just said about being a fan first. And uh, it's for broadcasting students who want to come and get a behind the scenes look at what we do and, and what the booth is like and, and just kind of get a taste of what it's like uh, doing a, a National Hockey League television broadcast. But first and foremost, everyone's got to be a fan. And uh, the biggest thing is just come and enjoy a game. And you get a couple of tickets. And you get to just sit in the stands and watch and enjoy a hockey game and then meet with me afterward. And I give them a tour 
of the booth and my preparation. And, you know, they asked some of the questions that you've asked about the, the routine and the, the preparation for a broadcast. What are you doing in the afternoon uh, leading up to a seven o'clock game? So over the years, we've had some fantastic kids come through of all different ages. They've been middle school or even younger, high school, college, just had to be a student, males, females, uh, people who are interested in play-by-play, -play, others who are interested in behind the scenes, people who are interested in reporting, every type of student and every type of uh, career aspiration that you can think of. So uh, it's been really rewarding. And uh, I just know that I had so many people help me out over the years and uh, give me breaks and, and show me what the NHL life was like way before I even set foot in the league. So uh, it's just a little way to pay it forward. And uh, hopefully someday there's a, a kid who joins me in the NHL as a play-by-play -play announcer on radio or TV. And we could say that uh, one of the first uh, steps for them was coming through our future voices of the booth program because uh, it, it is just such a fun job. And I know there are a lot of students who want to be a play-by-play -play announcer, but you just have to have, take the right steps and you have to get breaks along the way. And, and uh, there were a lot of mistakes, which I made along the way. And I'm lucky because it worked out for me, but in a lot of ways uh, I could have put a position myself in a much better way had I known some of these lessons. And uh, so that's basically the gist of it is just trying to pass along some of those lessons that I've learned over the last 20 some years. And at the very core level, just having someone come to a game, have fun, enjoy a hockey game, and then get a little behind the scenes tour. It's a great program you got going on. I really hope you guys are able to get it back up and going. If you have the chance, you got to turn into a Penguins game to hear Mr. Mears. It's, it's a great listen. You can tell that, you know, you loved the team and the sport first. And then, like, like you said, you know, you happen to just get free tickets and talk about it now. So that infectiousness comes off into the screen, into the speakers in our homes. So on behalf of fans, we just want to say thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks. That's the goal is just uh, to hopefully enhance the broadcast. Luckily, uh, a team with Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang doesn't need much window dressing. So uh, we, we keep that in mind, but also at the same time, we want to have as much fun as possible. And I do think we have as much fun as any broadcast in the league and try to keep it loose and light. Uh, it's not rocket science that we're doing. So uh, I think it's really important with any broadcast, but uh, especially here and, and hopefully, yeah, the love of uh, the city and of the team comes through over the airwaves. So a big thank you again, Steve. Be sure to check out stevemearsnhl.com. Any last words you needed to let everyone know? No, just uh, get ready for the hockey season. Enjoy the rest of the Stanley Cup final. And uh, can't wait for hopefully October when we have, we're hoping for packed houses all across the league and uh, return to an 82-game schedule. We're hoping to travel again, which we didn't do last season so uh I'm, I'm really excited for the upcoming hockey season you've got the seattle kraken coming in there's a lot to be excited about with the national hockey league and moving forward you talked about the new television rights packages as well so uh it is going to be just a, a really special year in a lot of different fronts and, and you think about the young players that are in the league now and uh, some of the established stars like crosby and ovechkin and mcdavid and matthews 
it's a great time to be a hockey fan. So uh, we love the support from fans all across the world. And uh, I think you're going to be in for a fantastic season. Thank you again, Steve, for the time. I'm going to let you enjoy your summer. And until, you know, we all get to see you back on our TVs. Hope you stay safe, stay well. And uh, yeah, that, that's about it. Thanks for the time. All right. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.